Chapter 38 of Yermio is in a sense a continuation of the story of chapter 37. In 38, we're told, by Yishmashifatya ben Matan, Ugedalyao ben Pashkur, Vyuchal ben Shalmiyahu, Upashkur ben Malkia et Hadvarim, Asher Yermio medaber a Kora Omre Mar. Koramar Hashem, Hayoshe Birazot Yomut, Bacherev Braavu Vadever, Hayotel Akastim Yichia, Vichaya, Vaitolo Nafsho Vishalo Vachai. Yermio, they hear, has been saying to the people, to no surprise, whoever goes over to the other side will live. Whoever resists the Babylonians, called the Kastim, will die by sword, by famine, by plague. And these people, these officers, hear that Yermio is saying these things, but he's making public statements. Part of the writing down of the scroll and reading it in the house of God. The prophecies of Yermio are being uttered in the house of God, and we remember earlier, two chapters earlier, specifically on a fast day, when there are many people both in the temple, but furthermore, it's a day in which people are prepared, presumably, to hear what their teachers and prophets are saying. And these officers hear that Yermio is saying these things to the general population. So they go to the king. So here the complaint is, unlike the previous chapter. In the previous chapter, the accusation of Yermio, which is straight out false, as he says, Sheker, untrue, that he's going to the other side. And that's the last thing in the world that Yermio wants to do, was to side with the Babylonians. He has zero interest in the Babylonians, which becomes clear from later on in the book of Yermiyahu. So he says, Sheker, it's false. But over here, the accusation is a different accusation. It's not about he personally going over to the Babylonians. It's about his prophecies are weakening the resolve of the people. They're making it impossible for us to fight the war. We're trying to fight the enemy. And this fellow, essentially, is telling everybody, don't fight. Give up. And that's very dangerous, because if he says, no one fights, we certainly can't win. If we fight, we have a chance. If we don't fight, we will lose. So this man is a public enemy. And therefore, he deserves to die. Because he's weakening the cause. He's not out for our benefit, but rather he's out to harm us. That's the argument made by these leaders to the king. Now we know the king in the previous chapter seeks out Yermiyahu and actually takes him away from the jail, which is a death sentence for Yermiyahu, and put him in a holding pen. But now, in the next chapter, in 38, our chapter, they say to the king, forget holding, forget holding pens. This man is public enemy number one. And we're told, Sitio says to them, he's in your hands, the king cannot oppose you in anything. In other words, what Sitio is saying, in effect, is whatever he actually believes, 
and it's hard to believe that he actually agrees with them because in the previous chapter, he uh, seeks out Yirmiyahu. He believes that Yirmiyahu is a true prophet. He knows the other prophets have been false prophets. But he's weak. And what he's saying is, do whatever you want. I'm not going to oppose you because he doesn't think that he has the ability, the strength to actually oppose them. So in effect, he gives them permission to deal with Yermio as they see fit. And as they see fit, it's very clear, this man, as they call him, should be put to death. So in verse number 6, they took Yermio. They took him out of the compound, and within the greater compound, presumably, is a pit. And they took Yermio, and they let him down by ropes into the pit. There was no water in the pit, just mud. And Yermio sinks into the mud. So there are two problems here. For Yermio, one is maybe he simply sinks into the mud and dies. But in addition, we're told something else. There's no water. That reminds us, of course, and the whole story reminds us, of course, of the story of Yosef, Joseph, who's thrown into the pit. And the Torah said about the pit, the pit was empty, there was no water, which means, in effect, that Joseph will die in the pit. Over here, it's conceivable that it's the same kind of a story. The idea of sinking into the mud is not that he's going to drown in the mud, but simply he can't get out. He's stuck there. He can't climb out of the pit because there's mud. So he's going to die as Joseph would have died from starvation, from lack of food. And now we're told about the saving of Yirmiyahu from the pit. The one instrumental for saving Yirmiyahu's life it's called Evan Melech HaKushi, the Kushite, an officer, a eunuch, who was in the house of the king. Evan Melech HaKushi, presumably, he's not a Jew. He's a foreigner in the king's service. And he hears what is happening, that Yermiel is in the pit, and he goes to the king. He speaks to the king. In verse number 9, Adoni HaMelech, these people have done evil to the prophet Jeremiah. They threw him into the pit. He will die out of hunger. There is no food in the city. There's no lechem. We know there's no water. And his point is there's also no, no lechem. We recall in the Joseph story, they took Joseph and threw him into the pit and there was no water in the pit. And the next verse says, The other brothers sat down to eat bread. They had plenty of food. They're eating a meal. And right nearby them is their brother in a pit. He has neither food nor water. He will certainly die in the pit. Now in that story, somebody actually rescues Joseph. And the one that rescues Joseph is his brother Judah. Judah, when he sees a caravan approaching from a distance, says to his brethren, 
we shouldn't kill our brother with our own hands. In other words, Judah doesn't say we're not killing him with our own hands. We're simply causing his death. Judah doesn't make that distinction. Ruvain, who intended to save Joseph, said to the brothers who wanted to kill Joseph straight out, just don't kill him. Throw him into the pit. They said, we're not killing him. But Judah doesn't believe that. We are killing him. Let's rather sell him. Let's take him out and sell him to the Yishmaelim, the caravan of Yishmaelim traveling in the desert. Now, in the story over there, in the story of Joseph, it sounds like actually, in the interim, somebody else pulls Joseph out of the pit. We'll see over here with Yermio, he's also pulled out of the pit. But he had Evid Melchakushi says to the king, they're going to kill him. They're killing Yermio of the prophet. That's not right. He's going to die. If he dies of hunger, we killed him. So the king commands Evid Melchakushi in verse number 10, gather 30 people. The king commands that Yirmiyahu be taken out of the pit. We remember that the king actually doesn't want to kill Yirmiyahu, but the king feels he himself is too weak to prevent it. When someone else steps up, steps forward, and then Hakushi, when the Kushite comes forward, then the king tells him what to do. Don't go yourself. Take with you 30 men. And Evid Melchakushi does this. He goes down. He collects worn clothes and rags. They went down to Yirmiyahu. And he uh, tells him to put it under his arms. So that he shouldn't be burnt when they carry him up out of the pit. So he's very uh, sensitive to the suffering of Yirmiyahu. And they bring Yirmiyahu up. By ropes, and Yermio returns to Chatzara Matara, to the prison compound. So we have the deliverance of Yermiyahu, and the story has a Joseph Castaway. And the story of the Joseph Castaway actually is very important, and it's interesting that in some future chapters we will see that the book of Yermio returns to the Joseph story. But we remember that the reason the brothers wanted to kill Joseph, apart from the fact that their father showed favoritism towards the son of Rachel, was one born in his old age, that's certainly one of the reasons. And Joseph is also telling stories about his brothers. We don't know if the brothers know that or not. What we do know about Joseph, they don't like him, and the reason they don't like him is they don't like his dreams. He's a dreamer, and when he approaches them to come with a message of peace, they don't give him a chance to bring a message of peace. They say to each other, look who's coming. The dreamer is coming towards us with all his dreams. His dreams were about the brothers bowing down to him, the sheaves bowing down to him. In reality, the dreams were a way to save the family from starvation, from hunger. They didn't understand that. And they're going to kill him for his dreams. And the story of Yirmiyahu, in that respect, is a similar story. It's about somebody that people don't like because he's different. He's not going along with the others. He has a different message. It's a message a lot of people don't want to hear. The king of Israel, Tzitkiyahu, seems to understand that the message is true. 
but is incapable of acting on the message he receives. The rest of the people don't want to hear his dreams, don't want to hear his prophecies. And like Joseph, they throw him into the pit, hoping he will go away, not to kill him directly, but indirectly to cause his death. In each of the two cases, somebody saves the intended victim. Whereas in the first case, the one who saves the intended victim is a brother, and a brother who will become the primary brother in terms of leadership in the book of Genesis and beyond. Here, perhaps tragically, the one who ends up saving Yirmiyahu is somebody who is a complete outsider. Evan Melech HaKushi, not even Jewish. And he's the one, unfortunately, who is proactive in saving Yirmiyahu. I say, unfortunately, not that he's not a good man and he will receive his reward. But what does it say about a community which the people who are inside the community, the main players of the community, the king and the others, absolutely refuse to hear the truth? And in some instances, even they know it's the truth. So the story of Joseph, I would say, which is a parallel story, but casts an even more negative light on that chapter. Here the salvation comes from the total outsider, Evan Melech Hakushi.